Oh, yeah. Yo, let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the X Cultural Podcast webcast powered by Vistatech. Vistatech provides an end to end global content journey that supports many of the most innovative and iconic brands in the world. X Cultural is the intersection between passion, culture, global communications to inspire ideas, connectivity, and global mindedness. I'm your host, Michael Asquith, and thanks so much to the global community for listening. In this episode, we will discuss the topic and subtopics related to pop culture and global business, how it influences the way we think and are, the crossovers and universalities between cultural symbols and icons, uh, regardless of where you are in the world, uh, global and cross-cultural uh, communications, G-local content development, inspirational imagery that influences international marketing, transcreation, localization, and so much more. Today, I'm very excited to have a truly exceptional talent and individual with a unique journey from Bollywood, India to Austin, Texas. Um, she presently works uh, for a global SaaS construction company called Procore, where she is based in Austin, Texas, as I mentioned. And she has carved out her own path as a transformational thought leader and entrepreneurial localization executive on the product and tech side. I am truly ecstatic to have Edie Sahe, a passionate globalization innovator on this show. Edie, hello, how are you? Great to have you. Hi, I'm doing really well. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little hectic. So I'm a little sweaty from 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 going through this, uh, the process of making sure that this video works, right? But um, it's great to have you on the show and to talk about pop culture. It's a subject that I'm extremely excited about. It influences uh, a lot of what goes on in my, my daily life professionally um, and also personally. And uh, I'm a huge music fan. Um, and uh, so you can obviously see the, the video with, uh, with uh, the, the kid Elvis there. Um, but yeah, today I really wanted to kind of also hear your cultural perspective on pop culture, how it is influencing um, your, your work in what you do at Procore, et cetera. Um, and I think that uh, it's just really good for us to have this discussion and then have these uh, different crossovers um, and the kind of interconnectivity of these things with pop culture and um, and just wanted to, yeah, uh, of course, you know, maybe first um, before we kind of get into the whole pop culture subject, I think that it's really good to kind of give your kind of pop song version of who you are, Edie, and also your background um, and and also how you've come to, to be here today as a, as a globalization localization leader at Procore. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my professional journey um, in the film industry. I started it in the Indian film industry, which is very fondly addressed as Bollywood. And then I transitioned into Hollywood leading acquisitions and international growth and localization for an independent film distribution studio. And, and through that journey, I've had the enormous experience of working for some um, leaders in their space, the, you know, the companies that I have consulted with and worked for. And of course, you know, taking their products um, and services internationally. So I like to believe that I'm a storyteller at heart because that's just very, you know, the core of who I am, uh, a storyteller. And through my journey and my professional experience so far, I've been able to um, transition into localization and international growth. And um, I like to say that, you know, as a storyteller now, I take the stories of these products 
these services and into international um, in, in international waters, essentially into a new culture, a new community, which uh, is telling the story to um, that region by the way of localization and language. So it still drives and that is what really motivates the storyteller within me uh, in, in my work today. And um, I lead international growth through localization for Procore Technologies. For those of you who are not familiar, it's the leader in construction which is unifying um, you know, everyone's experience uh, and ev everyone who interacts with a construction um, project and its life cycle on a global platform. So it's a very complex um, you know, suite of products because there are thousands of people collaborating on a project to deliver that um, you know, community and uh, not just a building, but a community that we live in and we thrive in and we experience um, this life through. So. Yeah. yeah, so tell me, I mean, that was one of our commonalities right from the start was storytelling and, uh, you know, being, you came came to the United States at the age of, I think you said 21, if I recall, um, and, and, you know, tell me a little bit more kind of how Bollywood, you know, from Bollywood to, to the U.S., how that has influenced, you know, your career, especially as, a, you know, when it comes to communications, um, translation, localization, in, in that sense, you know, I know that you've had other experiences beyond, um, you know, just Procore on that side of the equation and you worked on the, the vendor side for localization as well. So maybe uh, you could just tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of that and, and your own kind of work and how that kind of influences that. Yeah, I'm, I'm particularly intrigued by the visual here. <laughs> yeah, so so this, this, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it was, it's very, uh, it's a very funny, I thought it was kind of, is that, is, are those characters from, from Bollywood? Is that just a mock-up? I don't know who these people are, but they look very, um, uh, very serious. serious. Very determined to holding this tulip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, um, absolutely. So you were in film, but how did that transition kind of, you know, happen exactly? I mean, where is that overlap? So um, my experience, even in film, was uh, I can recall one of the earliest projects I worked on were, uh, was a documentary film, which was about the microeconomies in emerging countries and and how the lack of financial structures, um, despite that, these microeconomies thrive and they're not really attributed for within the GDP, but they still are able to um, thrive within a very complex economic structure. And it was very intriguing to me uh, as, as a concept and also as you know, a young person entering the world of uh, business and storytelling. But I took that um, experience where you know, I was very young, I was probably in high school when I collaborated on that um, you know, with one of the leading documentary filmmakers in India on this project. And I was probably you know, the production assistant transcribing and you know, starting um, from the very, um, the very initial stages of the film, but I was, you know, involved in the project, and uh, it was just such an insightful experience to really see um, the experiences we have around us um, and how we interact with the world from a holistic perspective, and uh, to put things in context so that we can, you know, define the value our role brings to delivering that project. And film is in all reality, a very complex product that we deliver, which is, again, a very collaborative experience. Uh, it's, it's a form of art, I believe, that um, cannot be oh, just done 
person. It is, a, you know, it's a team effort, which is very much like global expansion and business where uh, growth is a team sport, you know, international, especially is a team sport, if not golf, um, as I like to say. So putting things into context and um, identifying the value that your role brings to that uh, equation is very important. So when I um, transitioned from film, uh, I was always a part of, you know, the in Indian um, cinema and the diaspora that um, was quite up and coming. And uh, it was being noticed globally about, you know, 20 years back. So that gave me an insight into global business. And as I transitioned, you know, into working um, for uh, numerous film studios in um, LA and um, finding my way through that, um, that industry, I realized that my heart lies within international business. And I like to believe if product is the tip of the spear that we go to market with, language and localization is the tip of that tip of the spear, right? So um, if we don't get the language and the um, localization accurate, then it's really not delivering that value to our end user. And uh, we don't wanna be in that business, right? So we want to be um, providing the delight and eventually having that um, the end user fall in love with our products and services over time. So I transitioned after, you know, because I'm a nerd, don't tell anyone, uh, but I'm a nerd. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, 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 not at all. We've talked quite extensively and I, you're definitely not a nerd. <laughs> Um, let's just be a secret between us. Um, so yeah, I went to business school I, at UCLA and, um, and that led me into, you know, a wonderful opportunity working for an LSP, which allowed me the, the, the full overview of the localization workflow, you know, the magic behind the wheel, what goes on really in, um, in, uh, you know, behind the scenes and, and allowed me to build that empathy towards my linguist, towards my vendors, towards these, uh, you know, magicians that uh, bring content and stories to life really, and allow for businesses to deliver that to um, users and region. So, on that note, so with like G, like we, we've kind of talked about like G local content development uh, and, and I'm curious with pop culture to what kind of commonalities, universi universalities in pop culture that there are specifically coming from India to the United States. You know, we've talked about iconic things, you know, Michael Jordan uh, from the United States and, and that being kind of a crossover, everybody, New Michael Jordan, and then there's this topic of Americanization versus globalization, and and then you know one of the quotes that was shown earlier, and, and kind of a part of this too is you know what that I really liked the quote was it was talking specifically that the next frontier is really instead of it being so Americanized, it being much more globalized. How um, is are there certain things that you think that resonate better from a cultural perspective? Um, you know, in India or in other markets, you know, and are you starting to see those things kind of overlap? And, and of course, we'll, we'll see some of those things in, in the, the background images, but um, does anything particularly come to mind? You know, I grew up uh, in India and growing up, I was consuming a lot of international content. That content was coming from, of course, the West, which was, you know, pre predominantly um, United States. But at the same time, um, there was a lot of, uh, Asian content that would be pulled into our, um, you know, the, at that time we had very limited uh, television channels available in India. And, um, I, and in that time, you know, of course, with poor localization translation, and of course, uh, growing up, 
it ruined a lot of things for me, including the little mermaid, which will never be the same. <laughs> but the one thing I recall, you know, growing up um, is um, uh, I would come back from school at around 3 p.m. every day. And um, that was a time my mom and I would have a late lunch and uh, Oprah would be on TV. And so that was our shared experience. And what that allowed me was because it was a show that was not dubbed or subtitled. It was in its true raw format, the way it was broadcasted in the US. So that hour or that window of time allowed me an insight into the West, into the American culture, into the hot topic uh, stories, because um, that's where I understood the, or I had the insight into the conversations, everything from you know being a criminal to a, to a, um, you know, a spiritual guru, everyone was invited on that platform to really share their experience and which was such a, uh, so, so it was such a revelation in a lot of ways that, oh, this is what it is like. And, and also it allowed for me to, to see someone in a position of authority and power and influence who looked like one of my, you know, distant relatives, one of my aunts. <laughs> so it was very relatable. And um, it was a content in the right context and uh, unadulterated. So I was able to absorb it in the right way. But, you know, you had earlier shown the video uh, or the slide of uh, Gangnam Style, which brings me to yeah. how pop culture defines our experiences, despite where we grow up, or, you know, because that defines the way we interact with the world around us. And it's sort of this thread that ties us together. Um, a few years back, I was um, on an offsite in Shanghai with my regional stakeholders and my regional teams. Um, and as a host uh, team in Shanghai, you know, they organized an after work event for us, which was karaoke. Karaoke in itself for the, uh, you know, for the experts, uh, the Japanese experts uh, joining us is, you know, it's the empty or the empty or hollow orchestra which is such a Japanese concept. However, we are in Shanghai, we're a group of 20 and, um, and we are there singing karaoke where we, of course, you know, we were probably the same age group but we grew up in different parts of the world, everywhere from Israel, India, and you know, the APAC region to the US. And that became our shared experience because with music and this um, pop cultural phenomenon of karaoke, we started the night with Gangnam Style and various iterations of it uh, with our, you know, with my regional team and stakeholders uh, from Korea. And we, and it was, it's one of my fondest memories on a business trip because we sang songs, of course, you know, as lingua franca being English, we, uh, we sang songs from Savage Garden, which is Australian to Kylie Minogue, who's Australian to uh, Spice Girls um, and Boyzone, UKI to, um, uh, Backstreet Boys and a lot of American musicians wrapping up the night, tying it up with a beautiful little bow, singing break. Uh, <laughs> it was Canadian. So yeah, yeah. See, it, you were perfect. You were perfect. You had the world music uh, right there and then. So, um, and I think that you you bring up uh, an awesome, incredible, powerful thing that goes on. I think when you when you meet people from around the world, and we're very fortunate to work in multinational environments where you find you have to find those commonalities and it's always awesome when you figure out that that you know people are very much the same they all you know feel and and and, and care about a lot of the same things and i think you know when you when you're able to build that kind of trust and that camaraderie camaraderie i think it's it's just um just makes that experience even better so 
yeah, I think that's I think that's a wonderful uh, example. So yeah, so store back to kind of storytelling in that sense. Um, are you kind of you know when you kind of tell your stories or when you're kind of do you, do you do you write by the way? That was one thing we didn't we didn't really talk too much about. Do you write your own kind of content or do you get into kind of international marketing content? Um, I, I do and I have in the past. Um, however, I really do believe in trusting the experts because uh, they are in region, they are more attuned to the pulse of the region and what um, culturally is you know the regional understanding. So I believe in the experts. I'm mostly in those conversations, the um, the you know in the background, just sort of navigating the conversation. But I allow for my regional stakeholders and my teams to lead that conversation because that content is um, it's it's related to them and to the value they know they want to deliver to their user in region. So I, I trust the experts. No, no, absolutely. That's that's definitely good. Good uh, to know. So, is there are there other things like other than Oprah? Is is there other things growing up that that you really kind of that struck a chord with you personally? Um, you know, from anywhere from the around the world, as far as you know, we talked about a ton of music and how that influences things. And I think Oprah is a great example of of a wo woman leader, um, of somebody who's a, a big personality and 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 very generous and. Uh, personable and and all those things. So I think that that probably left quite an impression on on you as far as you know, kind of that global kind of perspective, or I guess somewhat of an Americanized perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of things. Um, I recall in one of my recent meetings with you know with my devs, um, uh, they had mentioned this you know real life sporting show, which uh, some of them grew up watching for some, you know, on some network or uh, something like that. And I didn't know the name that they were referring it uh, with that, you know, to because it was perhaps dubbed or, you know, localized um, for the US market. But uh, I, I observed them, you know, discuss this. And then I was like, hey, you know, I had something similar, which was like a real life size castle where people, you know, got into very physical sports and like giant, um, you know, balloons or costumes, and it was just sort of a comical uh, event. And they, and I was like, but it was called Takeshi's Castle. Uh, and it was a Japanese show, which was dubbed by uh, Indian comic at that time. And cause he would do the voiceover and then I, I grew up watching that. And I'm like, that was, that is exactly what it was called uh, because that was the original title, but in the US it was dubbed differently. So it's just fascinating that randomly, uh, you know, there's a link to, a, a you know a series a show that I would watch in the evenings you know after doing my homework and uh, and my here which of course are brilliant humans they <laughs> had a similar experience on this side of the world no I I think that that's that's awesome and and the whole kind of idea with culture and uh bringing people together creating ideas you know and then more disruption for for more innovation um, hopefully that's, that's kind of like, to me, the purpose of bringing people together is you get that kind of different take on things. Are there instances in, in your life or things that you've seen with regularity or, or, um, often where culture is a big part of kind of the direction of either the content that you're doing for Procore or, um, you know, as you're kind of trying to adapt to those, to those, uh, to those users and, and to enhance that user experience. How does that kind of impact that? And, and how do you guys kind of incorporate that? Or how do you think of is the best way to incorporate that? 
Construction is a very, um, construction tech is a very um, complex, um, complex product, uh, I would say, because it's, it's as an industry, construction um, historically has been very uh, paper heavy and, you know, process uh, oriented, but it's, it's the last uh, to come to the digitization and the digital frontier. However, it's blue collar tech is adapting quite quickly and rapidly towards that change. And with the recent um, pandemic, we have observed that having a, a connected network where folks are able to collaborate. And this is our, in our everyday lives too, right? Like when we have uh, those tools to collaborate virtually because we are in distributed teams and we aren't really able to be in a physical space, uh, collaboration is key. And at the same time, um, allowing for a, a way to communicate because the way we communicate as an organization defines um, a lot of, you know, how we are, uh, even in the way we behave and the way we um, interact with uh, our customers, uh, our internal communication really um, transcends to that as well. And um, as far as um, you know, growing outside of our comfort zone in our you know domestic um, region. It's very important to understand, understand the different layers of uh, culturization that go into um, taking your product and, and to truly being a, able to achieve product market fit, because that is um, one of the few things, one of the, I would say, a handful of pillars one needs to fully be able to um, configure in order to gain that global success. And language is, um, it's wonderful and it's, you know, the first way how you will reach your end user, but language itself uh, cannot guarantee the adoption or cannot guarantee the success in region. It can unlock the uh, perhaps the initial conversation for you in terms of how you map the user journey in, in terms of the content you are reaching, how they're even discovering you and finding you in region, but really um, achieving that product market fit and um, also uh, the infrastructure in place to be able to uh, allow the in-region stakeholders, especially in the emerging markets, um, be able to access your content, access your product uh, is instrumental to that growth, along with, I believe, the language strategy, the language that you choose to go to market with, with um, India being such a, you know, a, 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 a diverse country where numerous languages are spoken in by, you know, by huge, um, parts of the population, you, it's hard to pick and choose one um, or a few. And it's um, really important to have a very succinct and focused language strategy into how you are even showing your seriousness in the market and, um, and, and really delivering that value to the customer. Of course, that ties into the localization strategy as well. So it's all sort of interconnected um, in you know, how you even develop your content, how you identify what content to um, either localize or allow for it to organically be created in region and um, yeah, so it's is, just, it, is this some, is it something you're also doing with your your internal stakeholders to kind of just bring awareness to these types of things because you know they obviously maybe they don't have the cultural background that you do. Uh, how how do you go about doing that? Is it just an educational thing, or is there other ways that you're you're kind of trying to bring awareness to that? Yeah, so one of the things that I'm proud. Um, 
up is that I'm able to transform localization as a strategic function and make it table stakes in all conversations when we are um, in, in terms of how we are discovering, how we're developing, how we are building and deploying, like just about every part, path, part of the way. And um, the one limitation, uh, especially, you know, being a US focused organization where all of this is happening here in HQ, um, as, as this is our starting off point, I do notice at times and, you know, in my career so far, I've um, been a part of numerous conversations where I'm trying to make a business case for, uh, a product market fit or you know uh, even showing product gap or uh trying to uh you know evangelize if you would for uh, a localization or a language strategy and more often than not our audience in that room tends to be a monolingual group and and i like to lead that conversation with a lot of empathy which is built into me um, having that understanding for their limitation. If I walk in a room and I start talking in a different language, I, I, I believe that's a little disrespectful because for someone who doesn't understand a different language, it's obvious. I'm not going to make a friend out of that. And as it is, I'm yeah. I have the perception of, you know, slowing things down and people uh, <laughs> are really not, you know, people want to move, you know, um, especially in a product led organization, people are moving a million miles a minute and they want to focus on, um, on the next, um, you know, next initiative on their roadmap. Uh, however, to navigate that conversation, one of the fun things that I do is, um, and I've done in the past, is uh, Jimmy Fallon, who is a late night uh, television host, uh, talk show in the US, he does a bit where he invites um, musicians and uh, and singers and he will take popular songs, you know, retro hits and the top 40 hits uh, currently. And he'd take that and it's the bit is called Google Translate songs. And he would take that, translate it using Google Translate into Polish or Lithuanian and then back translate it in English. And then they sing that back trans poorly back translated English song <laughs> And they, you know, poke fun at it. And um, it's, you know, it's all in good humor. So when I lead a conversation, trying to make a business case to the monolinguals and sort of bringing them to um, understand and build that empathy towards the end user, it's like, hey, guess what? This is how we sound like in X language. Um, because now it sort of drives the point home without it being abrasive. It's, it's a fun, lighthearted way to initiate that conversation. And once I have their attention is when I can, you know, be more specific in terms of where the gaps are and where are the opportunities. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think it's a wonderful uh, tool and example. I have seen those bits with, uh, with Jimmy Fallon with the different artists that he's had on the show. And, uh, and I love it because it's, it's obviously, you know, a testament to to, to how uh, what we do matters. And um, so, yeah, when I see that, um, I think that's great. And I think it's a great way to kind of introduce people to, to kind of the do's and don'ts. So, and why there's, you can't just have everything machine translated or something along those lines. So um, I can definitely, I, I can definitely appreciate that. So bring, bringing that into the kind of, you know, this situation, how from a global collaborative kind of situation, how are you, um, are you seeing like with your teams, is there a lot of camaraderie, you know, with your actual transnational teams kind of building and, and working together and, and kind of what is that kind of like for, for you and how has your experience impacted that um, at Propor or any of your experiences? 
So in my career so far, I have uh, had the wonderful opportunity to lead um, numerous distributed teams to build those teams from ground up and to really engage with my stakeholders over time, be it um, uh, LATAM, be it UKI, you know, APAC, and yeah, just, you know, the entire world, um, basically. And there's a saying in Hindi, which means that um, as a world, um, as, um, as a person, uh, who believes in the world being my home. It's not that um, uh, my family is just my native hometown or my native country, it, the world is my home. So that um, is sort of the philosophy I have in terms of um, you know, collaboration and building teams. And, um, and it's, you know, everyone, I really do believe, and this is uh, one of my personal um, mottos and uh, sort of ties into my personal purpose of how I like to lead as well, is that as localizers and um, experts in what we do, no matter what area of this, you know, workflow we contribute to, as localizers, we really do have an opinion. Uh, we have a very strong opinion in terms of what um, changes we'd like to see within the business and how we can drive that value with that change. However, we really just need to feel empowered to share that opinion and everyone else in the room just needs to be encouraged to listen. And once we achieve that, um, once we achieve that in our, our space, wherever we are, be it working on the LSP side, working on the buyer side, um, either way, I really do believe that, um, uh, you know, that is the ideal, that's the goal to really uh, be able to share our opinion and, um, and I, I like to create that space for my teams to, because, you know, I hire experts. I, um, I'm, I like to think as a, you know, as a I am hands off in the sense that I bring in experts into the room. So I really want them to share their opinion. Uh, I just am there to navigate and remove any blockers for them so that they can bring their whole, you know, their whole uh, self, their, um, their complete selves to work and uh, be part of, something that's bigger and um, that that is solving problems for our end users and our consumers at the end of the day. And so that's my philosophy in terms of collaboration and the approach I take towards my teams. So we talked a little bit about this next image, right? And, and, um, and I think, you know, I want to know what it means to you when you see this, because obviously Kamala Harris uh, being the first female uh, VP elect um, and will be the first, uh, first female uh, vice president. And she's also um, a woman of color uh, of, of both Indian descent and, and also African-American. And so I, I'm just, you know, I know how, you know, you, I just am curious your emotional kind of feel on this when you see this and, and just how, what this meant to you, not, not from a political kind of perspective, but just in just kind of, um, in, in just being a, a you know, just a, a very engaged, powerful woman leader uh, as she is for you. How, what does that mean? So um, in my experience in my life, I've had, uh, you know, the opportunity to um, have wonderful friendships uh, with folks, um, you know, distributed all over the world. And um, that one image sort of ties into uh, a commonality between those experiences that we have growing up in whatever part of the world, be it um, the gender, the socioeconomic background, be it our sexual orientation, be it um, our ethnicity, whatever that is, 
every culture, every community tends to impose these implicit biases and these self-limiting beliefs um, on us. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be women. Um, you know, I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, and I'm a woman of color, I am ESL. And over time, I've had to work through, um, do a lot of personal growth work in terms of how I start to see those as my strengths as opposed to weaknesses, because failure is so normalized in the world, especially for, um, you know, um, especially for women and for mar marginalized communities, that failure becomes a comfortable place where it is usually the nature of the conversation starts with at least you were, at least you were invited, at least you were asked, at least you had, um, you know, the opportunity, uh, yeah. opportunity yeah. that at least, which is um, sympathetic, it is, you know, at least you were asked and, you know, it, um, it really isn't motivating no. at all or, yeah. um, or tying into empathy of any sort, because um, with that conversation, even someone with a very similar experience such as yours is really not leaning in to truly understand your experience and empathize with it. So failure is so normalized um, that I believe that it's not usually the fear of failure that drives us. Fear of failure is almost comfortable. It's very cozy, but it's the fear of success that stops us from really truly going after what we believe in and um, and making that, you know, uh, sending that first LinkedIn message or reaching out to someone that you've admired from a distance because what if they say yes? What if they actually say yes and they take time to meet you and you know you ask them for a virtual coffee and they say yes, what will mm -hmm. happen to success? Sure is a scary place to be and um, it is not normalized yet. So um, with that image that you showed, I believe all that does for a lot of us is to create that possibility and to create hope that no matter if a certain way things were done, they were good, it was a well-oiled machine, um, it was you know uh, efficient. However, what if we took a step back and did things differently? And what does that mean for us? And it's for us to even challenge our own beliefs, our own processes. I mean, in business, um, stuff could be you know streamlined, it's working. But what if we shook things up and you know we started thinking about UX and localization. We started thinking about local SEO. We started thinking about accessibility in our product and a universal design concept. What will happen then? Um, so it's it's really tying into the possibility and hope of what is to come. Yeah, it, I, I think that yeah, it's be beautifully stated. And and I also think you know on the inclusion diversity side of things, you know um, that is really just started to kind of resonate. I think everywhere. And I think that's just uh, an amazing thing to see. And, you know, like the accessibility uh, side that you kind of talked about too. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not a, a woman, um, but, uh, my, but I think it's just amazing to kind of hear women talk about what Kamala Harris means to them and as, as a woman and also, uh, you know, for, for minorities as well. That uh, you know, because of the fact that there, it's not like good enough to just like you said, you know, be be a part of of the conversation. It it, it should be not just good enough, right? So I, I love that. Um, and then yeah, just kind of one of the things. I mean, the only reason why I have this kind of image here is is more about there's more to business than just the corporate culture, right? And I really believe that the next kind of frontier for creativity is tapping into 
the the cultural uh, folks that you have working within an organization and and finding ways for them to coexist, collaborate. Um, and so, you know, what, what is kind of your your feeling on that? And, and and then, you know, of course, I can we can share a little bit on this experience because you and I have you grew up in India. I had a chance to go to India a couple of years ago. Um, I, I used to manage a team in India. Um, and had to travel uh, to India to to meet my team and then find ways to collaborate and pull out and extract, um, you know, powerful, talented uh, characteristics and 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 uh, talents from these individuals. So yes, you know, what what is your feeling on that and how was that for you going back to India um, as well as as because I know you went uh, and worked for for some company that that you had to do that with. Yeah, this was um, a few years back. I um, when I was working for an LSP, and um, I, we had a you know I had I led a distributed team that was offshore. It was based in Mumbai, and um, and oftentimes you know I had a lovely team. I absolutely adored my team. We were very efficient. We were managing the top performing industrial automation account along with uh, you know uh, certain life sciences and entertainment and software. Like we were, we were really efficient. We enjoyed working together, and there were a lot of synergies, um, uh, you know, in in how uh, we collaborated, and it was wonderful. Um, however, I would see that um, oftentimes other you know my my colleagues would, who also had distributed teams, you know, they had offshore teams. Um, op- to run their operations would have this sense of frustration with the communication, with the output of their teams. And there was just a general lack of engagement um, from their teams. And I wanted them to have the same wonderful experience I was having with my team. I was like, well, why is your team not doing it? Like my team is like excellent. They're rock stars. Like <laughs> you're amazing. And we have a great time working together. But I saw that disconnect. So, you know, I, I spoke to my um my CEO and I was, you know, going to India on a personal trip and I, I offered to, you know, take a week off and go meet with the team in Mumbai, which was, you know, um, several hundred, um, you know, wonderful employees in that, uh, in that office. And it's a 24 seven operation as, um, you know, anyone who uh, is familiar with the vendor side knows that it's, uh, it's, 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 it's hard work. And uh, however, I got the blessing from my, you know, my executive and I uh, made a, made a small training in terms of the cultural expectations and what something means in the Indian context versus the American context. And I made sure I met with every single person in the office. They were very flexible with their time. I was, you know, leaning in to make sure I was available to them, each and every one of them. That was important to me. And, um, you know, taking the ownership of something like this that hadn't been done before, I had never done something like this before. Um, but I really, you know, took that initiative to, to drive that effort. And it was just wonderful because a um, couple of things. Firstly, I was able to meet with everyone. They felt heard. They felt um, valued. And at the same time, it still gives me chills every time I recall that experience because it was, um, you know, when I was doing my uh, training and my presentation, it was using a lot of examples that were appropriate for the Indian context, be it, you know, analogies and examples from Bollywood or from cricket, um, you know, using uh, popular movie dialogues, which would resonate with every, you know, person from the subcontinent who is familiar with the Indian films. There's just it just clicked 
And um, sure enough, once I came back and I did, you know, the reverse of that uh, training with my operations team here, sort of shared my findings and feedback. Overall, um, it impacted the engagement, it improved the engagement and allowed for that space to um, to really communicate better instead of assuming and uh, instead of feeling that you know hesitation because um, American uh, communication style is, tends to be very direct depending on what part of the country you're from, but predominantly it's very direct as opposed to Indian, which is very indirect communication. So it's just those nuances. And one of, um, one of my uh, favorite stories uh, from that trip are, I was in the office and you know I was of course there um, to meet with my team as well and to figure out some and roadmap work for the future for the for the client, and um, so I was meeting with um, a few ladies who um, worked on you know my client's account, and as we are talking, I you know I tend to create that space where they feel comfortable and they don't think that I'm this person from HQ and you know they're not able to truly share their opinion because I want them to share their opinion because they're the you know sort of the tactical lead on that project. And all of a sudden there was a pause. They looked at each other as though they were about to say something that they had discussed previously. It was just a very subtle thing they did, exchanging looks. And then they shared with me uh, very abruptly, but innocently at, at that, Iti, we are very proud of you. And I was just shook. I was like, excuse me, what, me, little old me? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, me right like what and they're like yeah we're proud of you and I was like why what did I do and they're like because we're proud of you because you as an Indian woman you um, had the opportunity to go overseas to go to the states and you made something of yourself there that you are now coming back home to India to um, share with us your learnings and share with us what you know you have found uh, in your travels and you know you you make it um, so that you know when we look at you we see we see an opportunity we see possibility that it's not just you know to go overseas and to live away from home or to seek your fortunes away from your homeland is something for only certain um, certain people or you know just for boys in the family because of the cultural um, structure in India it's, it tends yeah. to be real child who's preferred and who has given those opportunities. However, um, they said that, you know, in this time, we see that you as a woman are able to achieve that. So it, 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 it gives us hope that, you know, maybe we are worthy as well. And one day we can. And it was just so wonderful that they were, they were vulnerable with me, but at the same time, so brave in sharing uh, what they saw and how it made them feel. And um, that has, you know, it, it stuck with me and it, it was just such a, such a beautiful moment. No, I, I love that story. And, and as we kind of talked a little bit before, you know, I, I, my experience to going to India and just working with any culture, even when I worked at an organization in, that was headquartered in China, it, 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 those relationships and the fact that, that, you know, being approachable being open, listening, all those different things, being empathetic. Those were the things that drove the team to start to do really great things. And, and that I loved because then you see these, these individuals coming into their own. And that to me is like the most satisfying thing. And then they come back to you later, you know, I still have some of those relationships and they still will ask me a question about something or ask my advice for something, which is like an honor that they would even ask me. So I think that that's, um, I really, really like that a lot. And I especially like it from 
the reverse, you coming home and they're so proud of you, you know, being one of them coming home. And then it's kind of like, you know, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, to you now. So, so maybe that, maybe that's the next place you'll go is politics. <laughs> you're like, no, definitely not. <laughs> you're like, hmm, I don't, you're like, I don't know. No, um, I think that's great. So how with all of that, you know, and, uh, and, and now, you know, of course, I, I work for a company um, headquartered in Dublin and Ireland, um, and I get to work with folks all over uh, the world uh, from VistaTech, um, and that's what I really like. And now, obviously, in the COVID world that we live in, uh, with our Zoom chats and, and everything else in our virtual environments, do you find that that, that is easier, harder to kind of do these days? Or, you know, are, are you seeing like things just being kind of one dimensional or, or do you feel like people are kind of punching through the screen a bit? To be honest, in my experience, I've led um, distributed teams of, you know, grown teams from the ground up uh, in numerous regions. And so I've, I was very familiar with the virtual nature of the experience. Um, you know, I'd always make time for my team um, and, and, you know, set time for informal conversation, which is, um, you know, not like we don't have a set agenda. It's about uh, learning about the that I work with and how I can support them um, in, in their work, in their career, in their life, because we bring our whole selves to work, right? It's not that I'm compartmentalizing and I'm leaving a certain part of me at home. Um, and then right. just bring part of me to work. I bring my whole self. And, and, and so that's why I encourage my teams to uh, be as well. Uh, the one good thing I would say, the one silver lining of this exclusive virtual experience that we're all having um, to lean into now is that it's, it's uh, leveled the playing field in a lot of ways. I, uh, in my current role had, you know, my team of devs and uh, in uh, California and I'm, here in Austin. So at times I would miss out on the water cooler chat, you know, they, the stuff that they would discuss passingly and uh, even the in, inside jokes, if you would. And I felt left out. And, <laughs> but at least now with um, the virtual nature of our experiences, it has leveled the playing field. We are very intentional about our time. And, um, you know, if I, I, I set time uh, on my calendar for no meetings, but at this time also, you know, um, try to be good about booking time with my, my teams to, um, you know, play games or just collaborate, just have fun, uh, do a virtual happy hour where we can um, still have that, uh, that, that uh, the sense of normalcy as much as we can in our day to day. And, um, and so to me, uh, to answer your question, if it has um, better, you know, it's, it's for better or worse, I don't know what the future holds, uh, to be honest, in sure. terms of you know, the, the way um, it's a very fluid situation we're in. However, the one thing is that in my experience, in my opinion, that everyone has embraced it. And um, however, you know, with, with um, people who have caregiving duties and who have um, uh, childcare responsibilities, uh, we need to extend that grace to each other. And we need to extend that grace to ourselves too, uh, because our work life is 100% integrated. A lot of us yeah. have, you know, the social um, interactions, in-person interactions, where we drove a lot of our personal value from. So it's all now sort of focused on our work, where we're driving our personal worth and personal value from. So. Um, 
I would say that, you know, it, it's because of that 100% integration of all of that, we should extend each other some grace and ourselves some uh, compassion as well, that it's okay. Like, it's okay if you, um, if you feel that it's, um, you know, you, you feel that you are, you ha- want to have a down, you know, a day off. It's okay to do that. Take some time yeah. for yourself to meditate, to write, to read, whatever that, you know, centers you. That's really important. Yeah, I think especially, as you said, I think just in this time, it's important to have some of that separation um, because I think it does get a bit too blurred. But um, I really do like the part that people are more themselves, I feel like you're getting to see them more multidimensionally. So I I really um, dig that personally. Um, Try kind of switching gears with our with our uh, next kind of visual here, Um, talking about India you know, and I've been following this a lot, you know, over the past couple of years, um, as I know most are, especially with emerging markets of any sort. And India, um, you know, now is, is the third largest economy moved ahead of Japan uh, recently. What do you kind of, do you have kind of any, you know, I know you don't, can't predict the future, but at the same time, um, I'm just curious, like your take on India, because it has 20, 22 different dialects and languages. And, and, and so, that in itself is a daunting task for anybody trying to localize for that market, but it's a huge market. And then we talked a little bit, you know, about people saying, oh, well, they speak in business English anyway, right? How do you kind of envision that happening? Obviously, Google's been investing a lot of money into the future of India. I, I'd love to hear your take on that. So I love strategizing. Um, That's a place I thrive in. And um, especially when it comes to global growth and expansion and how languages impact that, how localization strategy impacts that. And um, I am especially encouraged by by organizations today that uh, lead their global expansion effort through an emerging economy first, instead of um, investing into figs or into the European language language sets, they lead with uh, emerging market, be it Brazil, be it um, you know somewhere in Latin America or um, Asia, because that's huge. It's it's a huge potential. I mean, in India, we're 1.3 billion and strong, and uh, despite the you know it's a very diverse country in terms of our culturization within the country, in terms of um, you know the uh, socioeconomic uh, way that it divides us in terms of religion in every possible way you can think of. It's very diverse, but at the same time, we celebrate our differences. Um, and uh, we're, we're very good about celebrating our uniquenesses and uh, coexisting. And India um, is, is unique and um, challenging in that sense, to your point that there are so many languages and how do we determine uh, what to lead, uh, which language to go to market with. And um, I think that's a very interesting question, which uh, uh, I don't think we have uh, yet the yeah. to that because there is a huge, um, huge chunk of population that would speak each of those languages. However, it, it largely depends on your product and uh, the segment that you are looking to target and also the the region, uh, the sub-region that you are looking to enter into India with. Uh, if you are focusing on major cities versus, you know, B-towns, C-towns, like how, how do you um, strategize that and, and how are you really identifying um, the, the market segmentation to really go to market with, to have a very precise and focused strategy. But yeah, it's definitely encouraging and exciting to me when brands um, 
lead. Do you think, um, there's, a, do you think there's a vertical specifically that that is is you know kind of geared up and ready to take flight in India to you know and where someone or big multinational organizations going to you know decide that they're going to definitely be investing in Hindi and 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 others as well. I mean, some of the um, some of the companies to look look up in this uh, realm, I would say definitely Netflix and Amazon have done um, exceptionally well, uh, you know, in going to market. I remember when I was starting um, or when I was in my film uh, background, you know, when my film a role uh, leading uh, acquisitions and localization, my company at that time, I was a product owner for developing a VOD platform, which was very new in the sense Netflix had just gone um, completely streaming and there was a lot of noise about how that'll fail and all of that. And we were, I was developing this prototype um, that on the front end, we would be able to replicate into different regions and these emerging markets because there was a need for free content there. And, um, and it was essentially ad revenue versus subscription model. However, um, of course, with the limitation of infrastructure and you know just internet and data centers, et cetera, that um, was a challenging ask uh, about 10 years back. But that has changed because our infrastructures in these emerging markets and economies have improved, uh, be it um, you know Amazon trying to um, logistically deliver a 48-hour turnaround into an order that's placed online, displacing in an attempt to displace the local leader Flipkart um, in a lot of ways, or it is um, Netflix, which is looking to displace the local, um, you know, Indian region specific streaming services that really didn't have the, um, the power to uh, have that sort of collateral and diversity in the content even because it's, it's a, you know, it's a complex, uh, unique space, but regional pricing, I believe is, um, it's essential in, in your, go to market and, and growth efforts to really understand the segment and how you are um, coming across to your to your user and you know to really identify that persona. So regional pricing, you can't really expect a product um, to succeed at parity with what it's priced in the US because of course it's a you know it's just the income uh, disparity. But so uh, you know as as companies leading into the emerging economies, we need to be mindful of um, how people are finding us, what is the existing organic adoption, what um, uh, are we pricing a product as, and you know, how are we positioning our brand, and uh, what are the channels through which people consume their um, technology, and uh, you know, what do the customers really need? Yeah, no, I, I think that you touched on a lot of different areas there. Netflix is, is definitely one that I think is, is introducing um, a lot of folks to you know, dubbing for the first time, you know, like even I'm talking to family members who are watching, you know, um, foreign shows. And, you know, back in the day, no one would watch dubbing or, or, or listen to dubbing or subtitles. And now they're like, oh, these shows are great. And they're, you know, culturally very, a little bit different. And I think that also it brings uh, an excitement to, to the users. Um, so on that note with like user experience, you know, uh, customer experience, which is a, is always a hot topic, and and kind of the personalization of such heading, you know, from from 2020 into 2021, um, which I know everybody is 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 anxiously awaiting 21. I am curious, you know, do you future wise, um, do you think that we will even if there is, let's say, you know, uh, uh, hopefully a, a vaccine here soon, and 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 the pandemic is is 
a little bit behind us, do you see, and I know nobody has a crystal ball, but uh, do you see that continuing? And, and for me personally, I'm a little jaded on that because, but I believe it will. So I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are on that. I, I really do believe that um, there is this human spirit um, that is um, really um, very strong. And uh, the one thing that as humans, we have been able to endure over centuries and over time is, is to really uh, flex our muscle of adaptability. And that um, gets us far. And uh, I believe with this time, uh, you know, as we are confined in into our homes and we've had some time with ourselves that we've been able to reflect and, um, and identify what we value the most in the world and, and really uh, champion that for ourselves, be it uh, us defining our own personal purpose and how we live and exist, or be it finding a growth opportunity, be it whatever you know, um, that adaptability and that uh, need to grow and reflect will really take us far. And, um, and I hope that, you know, we emerge stronger and better and kinder as people uh, through this experience. Yeah, myself as well. So no, I, I appreciate this so much, uh, Edia. It was, a, it was a pleasure having you on X Cultural uh, powered by Vista Tech today. Um, I think that there's you know, so much that we could have uh, dove into a lot further and if we had multiple hours um, to talk about. But no, I, I, I definitely am you know, excited for the future. I think it's important what you said as far as you know, finding your purpose and aligning that you know, um, and, and being positive and finding positive changes you know, within yourself uh, or you know, representative of your organization or whatever it is to um, drive things forward. So I definitely love the optimism and the positivity that just resonates off of you, Edie. So thank you so much um, for that today. It's, it's been just a blast talking to you uh, throughout. So um, thank you. Did you have any like kind of final comments on your end about anything? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I hope, uh, you know, uh, we feel a little uplifted and charged by, you know, uh, after listening to this conversation, because that is something that that's an energy that I that really drives me as well in my, in my day. And um, the one, you know, as far as organizations are concerned, the one thing that I'd say is that I love a mission driven business, because eventually, that is the core of what, um, uh, you know, it, it's the business starts off with is to solve a customer problem is customer challenge. And that is the mission that drives them. However, uh, that's how capitalism eventually works that these companies evolve and they explode into these enormous businesses. But um, it is for all of us, no matter what organization or what, um, you know, part of this workflow that we're a part of, that we continue to tie our work into a mission, be it of the organization or, or of us as people uh, to really, um, you know, make this experience uh, wonderful for all of us as, as humans, as, as uh, leaders and executives. So thank you for having me. No, absolutely. And just one shameless plug here. If you haven't uh, submitted an entry to the Think Global Forum Awards or the Think Global Awards, go to www.thinkglobalforum.org slash awards and submit or enter uh, someone or nominate them. Uh, there's a 14 different categories, sustainability, um, brand of the year, localization person of the year. So uh, please submit, it's free. And, uh, and the deadline is November 30th. And also finally, 
happy Thanksgiving to everybody next week uh, for those that are in the United States. Uh, once again, Edie, thank you so much and everybody have a wonderful day. Cheers. Bye everyone. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, Edie. Yeah. Yo, let's do this. Come fix your homie rolling.